0: are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast, I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. If you take a look at the screen right there, that is the hoodoos in Fairmont, B.C., and um, my wife and I were given a timeshare up in Fairmont, and every year we, we go there and take the family there. And one of the fun things that we like to do is climb the hoodoos. There's a... Obviously, we don't scale the side of the mountain. I've got a six-year-old child. Um, but on the other side of it, there's a trail that kind of goes up, but you can go right out on the edges of those fingers. And it's, it's pretty spectacular. And I remember the one year that we, we climbed up there, and as we got to the top, there was this little pathway, you know, and I would say by little, you know what, maybe four chairs wide, and then um, there was this little, like, island thing, and we were going to have a picnic out on the island. But on either side, there's no ropes, or there's no, it's not locked off. It is a straight fall down. And we went to... I, I walked out there and the kids kind of sat back and I just kind of walked out to the little island. I'm just like, this is amazing. And then Cindy's like, let's, let's, let's come back, come back here right now. Come back. I'm like, why? She's like, it's dangerous. I'm like, honey, like it's four chairs wide. It's not like it's a two by four we're walking across here. So the kids are like, it's okay. I'm like, oh yeah, it's okay. Can, can we come out? I'm like, yeah. So I walked up and I Walked back and I grabbed them by the hands and they were nervous, but I took them across and we 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 went across onto that little island place there and they were just like wow. See, my kids trusted me, as a dad, that I wasn't going to hurt them. We have actually before the service started, I saw Josh taking one of his sons. He has twin boys and throwing them up in the air and catching them. How many of us as dads have done that with our children? You know, it's fun and, and, and the little baby, they, they fly up in the air and then they come back down and we catch them and moms are usually like, what are you doing? But dads catch them and the child laughs and has no, no fear at all that there's a possibility that, they're gonna, that their dad is gonna drop them. There's just, there's just a sense of security there. So my children have that sense with me that dad is safe, and dad is going to take me somewhere, and if he says it's okay, it's okay. And whether I deserve that or not, because the truth of the matter is, is I do make mistakes. I, they, they trust me complicitly, but yet is that trust validated? we as believers can walk in that place and trust our Father, God the Father, 100% because he is infallible. I make mistakes, yet the trust is amazing, but us as believers can walk in that place and say, God, I trust you 100% because, God, you are trustworthy. That illustrates for me is why it's so essential that we must understand that God is trustworthy. The God Jesus reveals would never do anything to harm us. He has no malice, he has no evil intentions. He is 100% completely good. And the fact that God is also all-knowing and all-powerful makes his goodness even better. I can trust God. Even if things look bleak, it doesn't matter that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all we know is that he is all good. If he isn't all good, I will never be able to love or trust him. But to come to that understanding of believers that he is, and we spoke about that last week, God is good all the time. And now we're building upon that. Now that we know that God is good all the time, now we know that we can trust God through any situations that we may be facing as individuals. So how do we know that God is trustworthy? Let's take a look at a really important scripture where Jesus shows us in the middle of a dire circumstance that God is indeed trustworthy. If you have your Bibles this morning, open them up to Mark chapter 14, and we'll read from verse 36. Mark 14, verse 36. Abba, Father, he cried out, Everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus uses this title in this ad to address God while facing the most difficult hour of his life. He prays, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Jesus is facing torture. He's facing death. In the Gospel of Luke, we are told that he was, so, it was in so much anguish that his sweat became like drops of blood. And we can read that in Luke 22, 44. Yet he prays, not what I want, but what you want. How can he speak to God in this way? It's such a difficult moment, and the only answer that I've got is that he trusts God 100%. See, as a husband, I trust my wife. I trust her because I have found her to be trustworthy. Jesus was with the Father for an eternity. Jesus knows the Father, and He's in that place where where He knows what is coming. And He's like, Lord, if it is possible, take this cup away from me. I don't want to do this because I know what I'm going to have to face. But Lord, not my will. Your, your will be done. I want to do what you want because, God, I know that you've got me in the palm of your hands. God is a good, loving Father. Jesus is telling us that he is so good that we can obey him no matter what some people may, uh, no matter what. Some people may ask, why did Jesus doubt at all? Remember, he was God after all, but he was God, but he was also fully human. Incarnation implies Limitation. Because he was fully human, Jesus experienced everything that you and I have, which includes doubts in the moments of deepest suffering. It includes fear. Jesus trusted in his heavenly Father. We will experience trouble in this world. We, will, we were never, ever promised a smooth ride. Yet this shows that Jesus is probably in one of the darkest moments of his life, crying out to God, God, not my will, Lord but your will be done. As an individual, have you faced a dark moment? Man, I don't know how a non-believer does it. The sun will shine on believers and non-believers. The water will pour on believers and non-believers. That's just the way that life is. But as a believer... We have a hope that Jesus has got us right where he wants us. And even though it looks dark and we don't like it, he's like, son, daughter, trust me. I've got you. I'm going to ask Josh and Sarah to come up. And I ask them to share a little testimony today about trusting God.
1: Hello. <laughs> For those who don't know, this is, I'm Josh. This is my wife, Sarah. Um, Lance showed a picture. Well, we've been coming here since about May, I guess. So Lance showed a picture of the that hill by Fairmont. That's where my wedding ring is. <laughs> we, uh, instead of going up to the top, to, to those things, we tried to climb straight up it. We got almost to the top, but realized we couldn't quite get up the last little bit. And on the way down, I lost my ring. So but anyways, Lance asked me if I would share he called this week, asked if I'd share about uh, God being trustworthy, and so I called him back, and I said, he left a message, so I called him back, and I said, sure, I'll share, but to be perfectly honest, um, getting up and sharing is like the last thing I want to do right now. I feel like crawling into a, into a hole and hiding. <laughs> um, I had a lot of, just the last like maybe month or a couple weeks well, moment, I had one truck and the transmission went out on it, and then I had a, so then I bought a new truck, and a bought a diesel and the motor, I don't know if the motor's gone or not, I'm still not sure what, but I spent a pile of money on it this week and it's still not running good, and anyways, it, that's all just money, and that was kind of not really, it's not really that big of a deal, it's just kind of, I thought it was kind of interesting that God would even want me to share, when Lance said it, then I was thinking, okay, this is definitely God wanting me to share, he's like wanting me to be able to say that he's trustworthy when stuff isn't going my way, and Even from that, just my attitude this week changed because I agreed to share and say that God is trustworthy. And it made such a difference in just my perspective on everything, knowing that all week that I'm gonna be saying God is trustworthy. And So anyways, he has to share a little bit of our testimony, though, Um, when Sarah and I got married, we have been married about two and a half years now. And we went to Fairmont for our honeymoon. And our honeymoon, the first six days of our marriage was totally awesome. It was really fun. <laughs> then uh, on on day seven we started heading back home and I was living in my parents' shop. I, didn't really, I hadn't found a place yet which Lance had advised me to have a place before I got married but I was kind of slow on that. Didn't see the big deal. If Lance gives you advice, follow it. It's good advice. <laughs> so anyways, then the next year and a half was pretty rough um, basically until we started coming here which we kind of had a pretty big uh, marriage fight and realized that we needed some help so we went to Lance and Cindy and they started working with us and praying with us and just really helped us out and I guess that's kind of how I know that like one of the things that God is so trustworthy with is I've always wanted to put him first in my life <coughs> and even when then once I got married and things didn't seem to be going very well God still came through and help was able to help us out and Now we're having a lot of fun being married, and (laughs) hopefully many, many years to come. Anyways, I'll let Sarah Sarah share a little bit too, though.
2: Yeah, so like Josh was saying, we we really had a really rough first year and a half or two years, or however long it was. It seemed like forever. I thought marriage was probably the worst thing ever, (laughs) and would advise nobody to do it. Um. Um... But like Josh said, one day we had the biggest fight we ever had, and it was in front of our children, and it was something that I never (laughs) thought I would ever have to live through. And at one point, I was, we had just bought a new, well, built our new house, and we still had the yard all not done and so it was all muddy in our yard and and Josh had locked me out of the house and I didn't have any shoes on so I didn't know what I was going to do and I saw that there were keys in the truck <laughs> so, I, so I walked over to the truck got my, my feet are all muddy and I drove into Cold Lake and um, I, I kind of thought I should go to Lance and Cindy's But then the thought of doing that also was terrifying that somebody would have to see me like that. That somebody would know, like, how bad it really was getting. And I remember driving to Shopper's and pulling into the parking lot there thinking I can't go there. I just can't do this. But I can't go home either. So... I decided to go there to Lance and Cindy's and I got there and my feet are muddy and I w- ring their doorbell and Lance anter- answers and he says, I'm so proud of you for coming here and he gives me a big hug and he carries me to wash my feet and I just knew God was saying, Sarah, I love you and I'm going to help you and thing lo- things look bad but I'm going to help you and from there it was it was a big jump for me. I had a lot of things in my past that were hurts, and a lot of things that were affecting me that I never thought would affect me, but once you get married, it just is amazing how every little thing, you can't hide it anymore. It's like there's somebody living there, and it's just out there, and it's like if you don't deal with it, like it's gonna tear you apart, and that's what was happening. It was just eating me alive, eating my marriage, and not what I wanted for my family, and I started meeting with Cindy almost weekly there for a while and doing a lot of mentoring with her and a lot of God encounters. And I don't know if if you've never had a God encounter. I recommend it. It's amazing. But it was really God just speaking to my heart and telling me the truth. And I was so scared to do that. I know when we were fighting, I knew, somehow deep down, I knew that it was, I had all these things I needed to work out with, with God, and I needed healing. But I was so scared to do it. Wondering, what is God, how is he going to do this? Like, what is he going to say? Like, so terrified. But then when you start getting into that place, and you take one step towards God, he just takes so many more towards you. And he is so gentle and kind with how he does it. And I'm not perfect. I, honestly, I've, I've been having a rough couple of weeks. <laughs> and oh, but when so when Josh said, "Oh, Lance was wondering if we wanted to share on God being trustworthy," I kind of laughed and was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> us, okay." <laughs> but I know that God is trustworthy, and I know that He will pull us through this, and I know that He is right here with me, because He has been in the past, and yeah. I guess that's all I have to say. <laughs>
1: nice. Thanks.
0: Oh, they wrecked me. <laughs> I tell you, now that I'm forty, I leak. I <laughs> I'm so proud of those guys. And I know that that there's other people in this room who have struggles in your marriage. Cold Lake, 63%, and this was a couple years ago, this stat, but 63% of marriages end in Cold Lake, which is higher than the national average. And I think it's because there's such a spirit of entitlement over this area. And that's why every year we really want to invest into couples because we see that it is an abomination in our society. And I want to stand up and say, not on my watch. May the 1st and 2nd, we're having a a marriage conference. May is marriage month. And we're having a marriage conference, and we're bringing in some out-of-the-park speakers. Like, this was God-ordained because these guys are so well known and so highly recommended that they I'm surprised they're coming to Cold Lake. And it's Bill and Pam Farrell. They wrote have written many books on marriage and one of them being um, men are like waffles women are like spaghetti. And that's the conference that we're going to be doing here. So men and women My heart is to see every one of you to come and invest in your marriage and to bring some friends and to really stand firm saying, you know what, we are not, as Christians, we don't have an easy road, but yet we're willing to stand in that place and say, we've got God in our corner who's fighting with us. So please put that on your calendars. Please make that a priority. It just, it breaks my heart when we really invest heavily into someone coming out and we have 30 people show up. And it's not the money thing, but it's like, man, God, you gave us such a gift. And then next week, I get phone calls From people saying, My marriage is over. And it's like, We had a conference last week and you weren't able to come. So please put that on your calendars and let's really do it. But thank you, Josh and Sarah. That was just a little announcement. As Jesus said to his father, If you could take this cup from me, I want to ask this morning, What's your cup? What aspects of your life make it difficult for you as an individual to trust God? Were you hurt by a divorce? Have you suffered a loss? Are you unable to find a life partner and you're struggling with the prospect of perhaps you're going to have a lifelong of singleness? Have you experienced the death of a loved one, perhaps the death of a dream, the loss of a business, the loss of some physical capacity? See... A cup is anything that we struggle with accepting as our lot in life, and our cup is usually the thing that makes it difficult to believe that God is good. Our relationship to the Father is a trusting response to no love. Jesus knew he was loved by his Father, and therefore he was able to trust him through the pain. The reason Jesus could trust God in his darkest hours is because he lived closely with his Father for all of eternity. Love that has been proven can be trusted even when things just don't make sense. So when we look at the bad things that are happening in the world right now, you don't need to try to force yourself into saying, you know what, all is well. Rather, we can say, Jesus trusted his Abba, and I will also trust in the God I know and I have found to be good. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding standing proverbs 3 5 there is freedom in trusting god knowing that he has our best interest in mind jack zavada says we need to view every event every sorrow every prayer with the unshakable conviction that god is totally spotless trustworthy See, there was that's where we mess up we want to trust in anything rather than the lord We want to trust in our own abilities, in our boss's judgment, in our spouses, in our money, in our doctor, even in airplane pilots. But God, really? See, it's easy to trust things that we can see. Sure, we believe in God, but do we allow him to rule and reign our life? Maybe that's asking a little bit too much. The bottom line is that Our wants may not agree with God's wants for us. After all, it's my life, isn't it? Shouldn't I have the say over it? Shouldn't I believe that uh, I'm the one who calls the shots for my life? God gave me a free will, didn't he? Advertising and peer pressure tells us what's important, a high-paying career, a head-turning car, a drop-dead gorgeous home, a truck with a muffler that sounds like it's about to fall off, and a spouse who will make everybody green with envy. If we fall for the world's idea of what matters, we get trapped in what I call the loop of next time. The next car, the next next relationship, the next promotion or whatever didn't bring you the happiness at that moment that you expected. So we keep searching, thinking, okay, you know what? Next time it's coming. But it's a loop that's always the same because we were created for something better. We were created deep down inside to be able to worship the Lord and every one of us in this room know it. When we finally reach that place where our head agrees with our heart and you're still hesitant, it's scary. Trusting in the Lord can require that you abandon everything. You're ever believed about what brings you happiness and fulfillment. It requires that you accept the truth that God knows what is best for us. But how do we make that leap from knowing to doing? How do we trust in the Lord instead of the world or instead of ourselves? The secret lives within you. His name is Holy Spirit. Not only will He convict you of the righteousness of trusting God, He will also help you to do it. For it's just too tough, perhaps even impossible to do on our own. Because the Holy Spirit knows you better than you know yourself. He'll give you exactly what you need to make this change. He is infinitely patient. So he'll let you test this secret, trusting in the Lord in baby steps. He'll catch you if you stumble. He'll rejoice when you succeed. Josh and Sarah are not the same people that they were two years ago. Man, I tell you, it was just, it was slugging through and slugging through, and the issue was never, ever the issue. As Sarah said, there was underlying hurts and underlying things that caused her to react a specific way to Josh. And Josh, great guy, but he's not perfect either. There was things in his life that caused him to react in some of the ways that he did it. And the Holy Spirit is like, I want to make you guys an amazing couple. God was preparing them for today to be able to share that testimony where others who are in this room saying, you know what, I think my marriage is over. I just can't do it. All of a sudden, they speak that out in the atmosphere, and it's like, wow, maybe there's hope for us. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, there's an answer for our marriage. Trusting in the Lord is a lifelong challenge. You're never going to finally arrive Each new crisis calls for recommitment. The good news is that more often you see God's loving hand working in your life, the easier it becomes to trust in the Lord. I shared a little while ago about my son Lucas and how he was just this, turning in to be this shy little kid. And it bugged me because the Lord says fear is not from God, but he's given us a spirit of love, of power, and sound mind. So I said to him one day, I said, Lucas, you are not shy. He says, I'm not? I said, no, you're not. You're my son, and you are bold. He's like, oh, all right. (laughs) And the very next day, we went over to um, Jesse Weir's place. And there was a bunch of kids playing down there. And usually he would just kind of go off to the side. And all of a sudden it's like you hear this voice coming from downstairs. It's like, is that Lucas? And he's just like, I am bold. I am. And it's just like he believed the truth from the father. Lucas is now afraid of the dark. And we are sitting there working with him saying, son, You have nothing to be afraid of. You are a child of God, and when all of a sudden you start to see things in your room, you just say, go in Jesus' name, because the Lord is with you all times of the night. Cindy said to him, she says, son, God wants to help you to get over that so you can trust him with bigger problems. With that, he responded, ah, I don't want bigger problems. But we know one of the words spoken over him as a little baby was that he would pray big prayers and get big answers. So, of course, the only thing that can come with that is training. We need to train up Lucas to ride and to walk into the presence of God. When you trust the Lord, you'll feel as if the weight of the world has been lifted from your shoulders the pressures of you now and of God, and he can handle it perfectly. God is going to make something beautiful from your life, but he needs you to trust him to do it. Are you ready? The time to start is now, right now. So how do we work on this? Jesus teaches us a real powerful lesson in a scripture that most everyone here knows. Here's a quote forever and ever amen his disciples wanted to know how we can pray because they saw the intimacy that jesus had with the father he teaches them this prayer but you know what we can learn from this i see six things that we can pull out from here to be able to trust the trust god first of all we learn that god is near our father who art in heaven In Jewish cosmology, heaven didn't refer to a place that was far away. Rather, it had been referred to the surrounding atmosphere. It was the very air that they breathed. Do you remember at Jesus' baptism when heaven was opened up? It was not far away. In fact, God was present at that very moment. There is an open heaven over our homes there is an open heaven in, over our businesses. There is an open heaven over our lives. Heaven is not someplace that is far away. We, we, I did a funeral yesterday, and one of the songs that they played is, Heaven is so far away, and I'm like, no, it's not. I hate those songs. It was a country and western song singing about the dog in the car. And he's like, you know, heaven is so far away. If it was closer, I would take you to see your Auntie June. I'd take you to see your grandma, Billie Jean. And I'm just like, oh, my word. My friends, heaven is an atmosphere, and you can breathe in the very atmosphere of heaven over your homes. Heaven is not far away. Heaven is here on earth. When we say, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God is awesome. Second, we learn that God is holy. Hallowed be thy name. Holiness has to do with purity. Jesus is teaching us that there's nothing bad about God. God can neither sin nor participate in evil. In one word, God is pure. And when we know that, we know that we can trust God because hallowed be thy name. Third, we learn that God is the king who rules heaven and who rules earth. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Kings have power over others, and God is the king of kings. In short, God is powerful. So far we need not told anything that would lead us to believe that God is looking out for our good. People have believed in many gods throughout their lives who are holy and powerful but not necessarily caring in the next few petitions is that we discover the compassionate nature of God through Jesus for we learn number 4 that God is one who cares for us our daily bread give us this day We have a God who makes rain and a God who makes sunshine and a God of great bounty of food for all his creatures, even the birds of the air. Thus we learn that God provides for us. Maybe you're here today and you've lost your job. Maybe the economy is not going well and you're like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? You have nothing to fear. Because God's economy is greater than man's economy. And the world might be saying it's going to be bad, it's going to be good. But I want to say this morning, no it's not. If God provides for the sparrows in the air, then he's going to provide for you as a son and daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God is awesome all the time. He's got you. Number five, God is one who forgives our trespasses. As Richard Foster notes, at the heart of God is the desire to forgive and to give. God loves to forgive even more than we love to be forgiven. Isn't that amazing? In a word, our Father pardons us. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Stop beating yourself up. Stop saying, oh man, I'm a worm, I'm a loser, I'm lousy. I just got to get my act together. It's coming before the Father and saying, "God, I find you trustworthy to forgive my sins. And Lord, I ask that you intervene on my behalf." And he loves to pardon us. He loves to wipe the slate clean. That's the, he loves you so much. And last, Ernie, if you could come. And last, we learn from the Lord's prayer that God rescues us from trials and evil. Do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. God is present and powerful because he longs to protect us. Though we will suffer problems, accidents, trial, God gets the last word, nothing can happen to us that God cannot redeem. My friends, that is God. God is good all the time. And God is trustworthy. This whole sermon series, I just want to remind you because a lot of that just comes right from this book, The Good and Beautiful God by James Bryan Smith. This was one of the books that I had to read for Crest And I was just, as I was reading it as the pastor, I'm just like, that makes so much sense. We need to be able to walk in that place and understand who our Father is. Because again, pastors, uh, all kinds of things. I showed that video clip yesterday that there's all kinds of ideology out there of who God is. And I believe in, this, in these end times that God wants us as a people to know who he is, not guess or not just stand in what somebody has said who God is, but to get into the word and say, God, you are faithful. God, you are love. God, you are trustworthy. God, you are good. God, you love me with everything. Maybe you're here this morning and Holy Spirit speaking to you. And saying, son, daughter, I've been working on you for a long time for you to trust me. I want you to give me, not, on, not what we want, because again, sometimes our thoughts and ideas, they just don't line up with what Holy Spirit is saying. But to go there and say, God, what do you have for me? Lord, I want to be able to trust you with the most precious things in my life. Maybe that's your kids. Maybe that's your marriage. Maybe that's just everyday providing. But whatever it is, God wants you to find Him trustworthy. And today, if you've been struggling with that, if you've been in that place where it's just like, God, I know you love me, God, I know you're there. But I find that I turn to other things for comfort. I look for the wisdom of man. I look for relief through alcohol, through pills. I look for solutions through worldly things, relationships, internet, pornography, whatever that may be. God wants to say, Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. If that's you today, and Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, would you stand to your feet right now so I can pray for you? I'm not going to belabor this. Just take a few moments and just say, God, I need to find you trustworthy in my life. Give yourself grace. For remember, we are not in a sprint but it's a marathon. And the Lord is going to take us on this journey where every day for the rest of our lives, he is going to prove his faithfulness to us. And when things just don't make sense up here, that's when we just say, God, it doesn't look good. But not my will, Lord, your will be done. Jesus, he had to go to the cross. And if God had said, you know what? Son, I can't, I can't do this. Yes, take the cup away. It's off the shelf. You're not going to go. Then not one of us here would have been able to walk in that place that we can now of sons and daughters. But the price has been paid. Maybe his disciples back then, Maybe his closest friends are like, I don't get it. I don't get why Jesus has to die. I don't get why he has to be hung on a cross, stripped, beat, whipped. It's not fair. But Jesus stood in that place. He says, you know what? I have to do that because in 2015, there are going to be people who need me. There's going to be people who say, you know what, I need you. Unless I do this course, they will not have access to the Father. So, Father, I thank you, God, for every single person in this room who's standing right now, Lord. And, Lord, as Holy Spirit has spoke to our hearts, and you've challenged us, Lord, to be able to go on a journey of finding out that you are trustworthy. Father, I just pray, God, that you would just blanket us this morning. Father, I just pray that even right now, you would stir our hearts and that, Lord, we would be able to, in the midst of darkness, say, God, you are good. God, you are trustworthy. Father, for people who have turned to drugs, alcohol, pornography, other stuff to fill that void. Lord, would you wash us clean this morning? For God, we learned today that, God, you want to pardon us. And God, you've got something better for us, God. Something, Lord Jesus, that is going to build us up and not take us lower. Father, would you Restore the years that the locusts have stolen. Lord, even if Josh and Sarah spoke this morning and said it was a rough couple of years. And Lord, they were so transparent for us today, God. But Lord, we see in only two years that restoration period where God, they have come together. And Lord Jesus, they are husband and wife who love one another. Lord, they're not done. None of us are done. You're always challenging us and growing in our lives. But God, would you just restore those things that the enemy has stolen? For your word says what the enemy has meant for evil, that God will use for good. And I declare that over everyone this morning in the precious name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. And all God's children said, Amen. we hope you have been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coal Lake Community Church, a place where families come together